Hezekiah, whom the Lord strengthens. Join us on a journey through a man's life who stood for God in tough times. I believe it'll be a blessing to us as we study it together. The Bible says, Now it came to pass in the third year of Hosea, the son of Ella, king of Israel, that Hezekiah, the son of Ahaz, king of Judah, began to reign. I worked all day on pronouncing those names. And 25 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 29 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name also was Abiah. Now remember, I said this last week, 2 Chronicles 29 tells us it was Abijah as well. There was the two names there. Abijah, remember what that means? It talked about the Lord Jehovah. My father is Jehovah, that is Abijah. So what does it say here? The daughter of Zechariah, and he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord, according to all that David his father did. He removed the high places and broke the images and cut down the groves and break in pieces the brazen serpent that Moses had made. It had been a long time since Moses and that brazen serpent. They were worshiping it. For into those days the children of Israel did burn incense to it and called it Nehushtan. He trusted in the Lord God of Israel so that after him there was none like him among all the kings of Judah nor any that were before him. Let that statement ponder for a moment. There was a lot of good kings before him. There was even one after God's own heart by the name of David. And God said, Hezekiah stands in a place all by himself, in a class all by himself. And then I love verse number seven. And the Lord was with him. Oh, isn't that wonderful? And the Lord was with him and prospered whithersoever he went forth. And he rebelled against the king of Assyria and served him not. You may be seated tonight. As we begin into this study of the life of Hezekiah, we're going to find out that the backdrop of Hezekiah's story is one that is dark, it is distressing, and the land of Israel is filled in defilement. But how many of you know God's greatest lights end up showing up in some of the darkest places? And it is amazing that when the background looks so dark and so bleak, God will raise up a bright light for a dark hour. And that's what he does here in the life of Hezekiah. A time of darkness in the land of Judah. Remember, Hezekiah's dad has shut down the temple. They cannot worship in the temple. They got cobwebs. It's, the doors are broken. And temple worship has been put off to the side. That happened by Hezekiah's father. It is a time of darkness. It is a time of defilement. The people of God are still worshiping pagan idols all the way back to even Moses and that brazen serpent. They're still worshiping it. There is defilement in the land. There's a distress in the land. The king of Israel, Hezekiah's father, has just died. Can you imagine the setting? Can you imagine the, the time of Hezekiah? And yet God raised up this man, Hezekiah, this man whose name means whom Jehovah strengthens. Now we'll run through Hezekiah's life and we'll see all the glory spots. And we'll think, man, that guy did some great things for God. 
But I want you to notice as we get started in this study of Hezekiah, there were some hurdles that Hezekiah had to overcome in his life to be the man that God wanted him to be. He did not have it made in the shade with a glass of lemonade. He didn't have it everything all together. There were some issues that he had to overcome in his life to be the man that God wanted him to be. I got news for all of us who are sitting in here tonight. Every single one of us, if we're going to be who God wants us to be, if we're going to live in the potential that God has for us, there's going to be some hurdles that we're going to have to overcome so somewhere along the way. It's not always going to be easy. It's not always going to be a, a whipped cream and cherry on top, but there's going to be some hard days. There's going to be some difficult days. There's going to be some trouble. There'll be some sorrows and there will be some tears, but I sure am thankful that we serve a God who is able to help us overcome the hurdles of life. Real quickly tonight, I want to give you three that he had to overcome right here out of this passage. Right out of the gate, he had to overcome these hurdles. Have y'all ever watched them hurdle races? Yes. How many of y'all go to YouTube and watch them mess up? There's just something that just connects with me every time they hit one and fall flat on their face. I don't know what that is. It's probably just sickness. I don't know what it is. But there, he had to overcome some hurdles in his life. Let's look at these three quickly, and I hope they'll be a help to you. Number one, he had to overcome the hurdle of his past. Think about this. Here is Hezekiah. He's got to overcome the hurdle of his past. What is his past? His past lies in the fact that his dad was a wicked king. It had to lie in the past that his dad had issues with God. And what is the normal cycle that happens? The generation before usually passes that to the next generation. And then the next generation passes it to the next generation. And that's why you have broken people producing broken people that leads to broken people that leads to broken people. That's why there's a daddy that's a drunk, usually passes that to his kid who becomes a drunk, who passes that down to the next person who is a drunk, who passes that down. And there's a thing called generational sins. But if I look at the life of Hezekiah, here is a man that says, you know what? This thing's going to stop in my day. I'm not going to live like my daddy lived. Just because I came from that doesn't mean I have to live like that. Mm, somebody go to church with me right there. Because I came from something does not mean I have to become that same thing. And so Hezekiah looks and he says, boy, I've been taught by my mother and where his daddy failed and where his daddy dropped the ball, there was a godly mother in his corner that was teaching him about God, that was teaching him that Jehovah strengthens. Hezekiah, I have named you for such a time as this. I know your daddy is a wicked king, but one day he's gonna pass and God's gonna raise you up for such a time as this. And Hezekiah, you're gonna have to overcome that hurdle of your past. You cannot hang on to it. Don't use it as a crutch. Don't use it as, as something that holds you back, but realize there is a God that has strengthened you for a moment like this. And just because you came from that doesn't mean you have to live like that. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And there was a man who overcame his past. And the generational sin did not continue into Hezekiah. He stopped it because it met him. 
And just because you came from something does not mean you have to end up just like it. And he overcame the hurdle of a past because he realized decisions defect destiny. How did he overcome the hurdle of the past? Making right decisions in his day. He did that, verse number three, he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord. He did that which was right. I'm not looking for mama to do it. I'm not looking, looking for daddy to do it. These are my decisions and I'm going to make right decisions in my day. Because I have a past doesn't mean I have to live like the past, do like the past, become the past, but I can make right decisions here in my present to do something for the glory of God. It is high time that we quit letting our past be that anchor where we never move and we feel so discouraged and we feel so defeated because there is a God who's given us a fresh start. I'm thankful that his mercies are new and I can begin again and make right decisions from this point forward. I can't do anything about yesterday, but I can do a whole lot about today and going forward for the Lord. One of my favorite, favorite verses in the Bible that deal with this is found in 2 Peter chapter number 3. If there was somebody who messed up, flubbed the dub, that we would say, boy, they blew it big time. We would say it's Simon Peter. But I mean, I look at that account and there's so much in that account. From the fact when Jesus is talking to Simon Peter up up there in the upper room, fixing to tell him what's gonna happen. And he says, Simon, Simon, Satan hath desired to have you, to sift you as sweet. But I, now you got to go look at this because I'm telling you, if you do, your Bible's going to go one way, you're going to go the other. It does not say, I will pray for thee. It says, I have prayed for thee. Let me put that down in cotton patch language to you. When Satan even got the inkling of messing around with Peter, Jesus was already in the business of praying for him. That is exactly what that means. So when the enemy gets an inkling of messing around with me, there is somebody who is already calling out my name, but I have prayed for thee that thy faith fell not and when thou art converted, strengthen the brethren. And we know the story that happened with Peter. Messed up, but didn't stay messed up. He found he's a God of salvation, but Peter found out that Jesus is the God of restoration. And if you'll go to the last verse in the book of 2 Peter, he makes this statement in the last sentence. It says, to him be glory both now and forever. 
And it is interesting to note to me that the one part of time that Peter leaves out of that verse is past. It's like forgetting those things which are behind and looking forward to those things which are before. I press towards the mark for the prize of the high calling of God. To him be glory both now and forever. And it would do some of you and I some good tonight as we look at the hurdle of our past and realize I couldn't do nothing about daddy and I couldn't do nothing about mama and I couldn't do nothing about junior. I couldn't do nothing about all that from yesterday. But from this point on and from forward, let there be glory to God through my life. God, I'm going to live for you and I'm going to make right decisions. I'm going to walk in the right ways from this point forward. What is that? Overcoming the hurdle of the past. And here's Hezekiah. God's going to do some great things to his life. But first thing he's got to do first, overcome the hurdle of his past through right decisions. Then notice the second hurdle that he had to overcome. Not only the hurdle of his past, but notice number two. He had to overcome the hurdle of perversion. Now think about this. He is living in a time where there is perversion, idolatry all over the place. He is thrusted. He is pushed into leadership. And notice what he does. He does right in the sight of the Lord according to all that David his father did. Look at verse number four. This is amazing. He, what's the first thing he does? removed. The first action that we see him doing in verse number four, he's removing high places. What were those high places? Places where they worship false God. Then it says he break the images, cut down the groves. He also removed the brazen serpent that they had worshiped. And the Bible says this, it says that that he removed all these things. He utterly destroyed them. Things that were going to cause competition with the God of heaven, he destroyed. And said, I'm getting rid because there is no God like our God. I'm not keeping them around. I am utterly destroying them. I am removing them. Why? Because I'm not going back to them. See, the problem is if we just hide them or conceal them, there is the temptation to retreat back to them. But when I utterly destroy them and remove them, I've got no place to go. Once again, our person from the New Testament, Mr. Peter, when the disciples turned and they walked away and many walked away from Jesus in John chapter number six, Jesus said, Peter, y'all gonna go away too? Peter said, Lord, to whom shall we go? I didn't give up my boats. I gave all that stuff up to follow you. We believe thou art the Christ. We believe you are sure that you, you are the ones with the words of eternal life. What is that? Removing some stuff in our life. Let me tell you what a lot of Christians do. They want to try the balancing act of having God on this side and having their idol on this side. And they know how to shift it where the Lord comes out on Sunday. 
Then he goes back and the other one comes out on Monday. And they know how to play the game. Hezekiah says, nope, there's no games. We're going to get rid of this stuff because we know the damage that it does. And let me just serve the Lord. He removed. And then look at round verse number seven. Now, this is interesting, too. We see the work of his removal. And then notice, I want you to notice what the Bible says here in, in verse number six. For he clave to the Lord. He clave to the Lord. It means we would use this term cleave like in a marriage, you cleave. You know what he has done? He's removed all competition and now he has fastened himself to the Lord. Here's the picture I want you to get. How many of you years ago, you remember watching TV and they had the commercial come on of crazy glue? And that man would stick it on his helmet and he would hang from that, that, that steel beam and he was fastened to it. The only thing holding that man was that connection of crazy glue. I thought the man had, he had sniffed too much of them fumes because now it was almost like crazy man versus crazy glue. Who else but a crazy person would be out there hanging on a steel beam? But here's the word picture. I am so fastened to him that he's the one who's going to keep me. He's the one who's going to secure me. He's the one who's going to enable me. And as he removes the false God, he fastens himself to the true God. Amen. I mean, it is almost like you can hear these words from I have decided to follow Jesus. The cross before me, the world behind me, no turning back. And he cleaves to the Lord. Now he has removed, he has cleaved in verse number five, says he trusted in the Lord. He trusted him. You look at him, what is he doing? He is overcoming the perversion around him. How's he doing it? We're getting rid of all competition. I'm cleaving to God and I'm trusting him in my day-to-day -day living. Isn't it amazing that he did not wait for somebody else to start removing stuff before he decided to do things right? Let me tell you what a lot of people do. Let's wait for somebody else to start. Let's wait for somebody else to take the lead. Wait for somebody else to move. And a lot of times we spend our days waiting on somebody else. And God said, I want you to start with you. Hezekiah did not wait on anybody else. He wasn't waiting on his mama. He wasn't waiting on the priest. He wasn't waiting on anybody else. He said, God, you're speaking to me. And so God, let me be the agent of change and God start working in my life to remove some stuff, to cleave to you and to trust. Can I tell you what happens sometimes? We pray, God, do something in our homes. God, do something, change. And sometimes God's saying, I, I want to, but I'm starting with you. But God, start with my spouse first. <laughs> we'll be doing marriage counseling next week in this place. 
And we start looking around and we're like, God, if you'll do something over there and God's saying, I want to do something right here. Have you ever noticed that when we start praying for God to start working, you know where he wants to start working first? Right here. Yes, sir, buddy, right here. But there's the removal, there's the cleaving, and there's the trusting. And when you remove all the competition and you have nothing left, God, I cleave to you. And I'm trusting you through this. I've been in this thing long enough, and here's what I've seen. I've seen people who put away things, and I've seen people who have removed things. And I've seen people, as they tried to get right, they just put it away, and here's what happens. When something happens at the church and they get mad, they go right back to the same things. And then I've seen people remove things, and then they just cleave to the Lord. And although they had the same problems, same difficulties, they overcame them, and here's why. Because they put away and cleaved, removed, cleaved, and trusted God. You want to do right? And it's like, prosper ever. What's going on? Removing some stuff. Cleaving to God and trusting Him. Overcoming the perversion. How many of you know that we are living in perverted times? God help us to remove some stuff. God help us to cleave to you and trust. And then here's the third hurdle. This is interesting. Here's the third hurdle. Number one, it, it was the hurdle of his past. Number two, the hurdle of perversion. He needed right destruction. Number three is the hurdle of pain. What has the man just gone through? Now, don't miss this. He just went through grief. His father had just died. Think about this. You've got to put yourself in the story. Sometimes you just, Ahaz is dead. Wicked man. Regardless of our view of Ahaz, his father, it was still his father and there was still the grief that he had to endure. And so Hezekiah has to walk through this thing of grief. And can I tell you something? It is a journey that unless the Lord comes back, we all gonna have to make somewhere along the way. And it's not just two weeks and and you're over it. See, there was a day when Ahaz died and they went out and they had the burial ceremony, everything. And Hezekiah has to walk back home and daddy's not there. Hezekiah walks back into that room and that chair is now empty. And all the things that come along with grief, here's this young man at 25 years old. Think about this. Has the weight of the kingdom. Has the weight of the family. And then the weight of a lost bearing on his shoulders. I bet you didn't catch that, did you? I've read Hezekiah so many times and just ran over this hurdle. It was almost like the non-existent hurdle, but as I looked at it, it became the biggest hurdle. Because can you imagine a 25-year-old young man has just lost his father and now he's thrust into this role of leadership 
Here's the kingdom. Everybody in the family now looks to him. You got all the answers. And then you're having to deal with the personal grief yourself. How did he overcome this? Don't miss this. His right devotion. He kept his heart right with God. Now notice verse number three. He did that which was what? Right. Right. What does that mean? Even when he didn't feel like it, he did that which was right. When we are under the weight of grief, when we are under the weight of pressure and we don't feel like doing right, here's what overcomes that hurdle. Keep doing right when you don't feel like it. Keep doing right even when it seems hard. Keep heading in the right steps in the right direction. Does it ease the pain for the moment? Because the grief process, it is a process and you never get over it. I believe God walks you through it to a place of acceptance. But when somebody just says, well, you'll get over it. Liar, liar, pants on fire. But I believe God will walk me through it till I get to a place of acceptance with him. But I've got to make the right steps along the way. Because what does the process of grief and pressure do? You know, I don't feel like being in that service today, so I won't go serve. I'll let somebody else do it. And what what happens? We'll sit at home with the grief and the pain and miss out. And one service goes to two service, and one week goes to two weeks, Then if the devil can get me out a month, it's real easy for him to get me out two months. And we've allowed grief and pressure to be the taskmaster and the dictator of our steps for God. I'm gonna do right even when I don't feel like it. I'm gonna do right even when it's hard. And I don't know if he's over here tonight. He may listen to this, he may not. Wednesday night, we were here. Jeff, uh, mom just passed away. And um, Wednesday, he stopped me. And uh, I normally do my bag passing out on Monday, but I didn't get a chance to this week. And so uh, I told him that. And he said, on Thursday, he said, uh, Preacher, you're going to pass out bags with us on Thursday? And uh, I said, Are you? Because he does that every single Thursday. That's his ministry. He does it. He said, I'm going to be there. Now remember, he just lost his mama. On Thursday, I want to tell you something. My desk was slammed. (laughs) It's like every day, my desk is slammed. But something on the inside of me said, go over there. I walked over there and he was sitting over there down there in his seat where he normally sits. And I walked in there and I said, Jeff, 
I'm here. Are you ready to go? You should have seen him light up like a Christmas tree. I said, let's go. Came and hopped in my car. We were heading out to pass out backs. Free, freezing cold. Freezing cold. We're out there passing out bags, inviting people to come to church. And, uh, and it was just like I was walking down that road and I was watching him. And there have been times where I have sensed the presence of the Lord up there preaching. There have been times I've sung and sensed the presence of the Lord, but I'm out there walking out here in 30 degree weather. And it was just like the Holy Spirit out there walking with me. He said, that's what that man needs. He needs somebody to encourage him to keep making the right decisions. Even when it is the pressure and the weight and the grief. We finished passing out those, those bags and I'm freezing cold. He's freezing cold. He, kept, he told me this. He said, uh, preacher, I'm glad we didn't have a whole lot of heels. He said, man, my uh, COPD don't know if it could have handled that or not. I said, I'm about to freeze. Hey, that holy grind is right over there. You want to go get some coffee? And I just spent the morning with him. We went over there and we got some coffee. He's standing in line. I fixed him by his coffee. Let me tell you how God works. Just an unusual way. I'm standing up there and I'm talking about, man, I appreciate you passing out bags and I just appreciate you being faithful even in hard. Yeah. The guy standing behind me, I'm fixing to order our coffee and get it, got behind me and says, what y'all been doing? And I said, well, we've been out telling people about Jesus. And the guy was a Christian. He said, I'll buy your stuff for you. I said, take my small and make it large. No, I didn't. I didn't, I didn't do that. I didn't do that. I didn't. But we sat down there for a moment. And I just wanted to encourage him to keep making the right decisions, even in life's heart. Because that's a hurdle. The hurdle of grief has knocked a lot of people out of church. The hurdle of grief has knocked a lot of people out of Bible reading. The hurdle of grief has knocked a lot of people out of service. And sometimes they just need to be encouraged. Keep making the right decisions. Keep making the right decisions. Even when you don't feel like it, keep making the right decisions and get over the hurdle of that pain that God can give you the peace and he's faithful.